Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Elin Wang to talk about Wuxia and writing and her stories and her travels. And so we're just going to get right into it. And uh, to start off, uh, Elin, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, so I'm based in Canada. I'm a writer. Um, I write primarily fantasy. I'm really into Wuxia. And I also do some translations as well. Um, and I've published some short stories and poems. And I'm also an assistant editor at a literary magazine as well. And uh, how, how did you get into writing? I got into writing because I really like fantasy. Um, I've been writing since I was like 11, so a long time. Okay. And yeah, a long time. And um, I just, like, I enjoyed making up stories and I enjoyed reading. So I was like, why don't I um, kind of journals and stuff I wrote, kind of pieces of writing turned into kind of stories. And then that's how I kind of started getting into it and like writing poems and like writing fiction. And uh, you have a story that was recently published in Clark's World called Sparrow. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that. I, I read it before the interview, and it's very interesting. One of the things I noticed about it was the um, was was the the perspective uh, was was uh, second person present tense, right? Was that the and and so I was curious what the uh, it had a strong effect on me as a reader. I was curious why you selected that as your uh, as the as the tense of the of the of the of the writing. Mm, that's a really good question. It's like, I, how did it make you feel reading that? Um. Well, it 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 made me feel like I was in the, like I was I was the person in the story is how it made me feel because you were addressing me, the reader, and telling me what I saw, and so yeah, yeah. So I really wanted to kind of create this effect I think where you get a number of things but one of the things you get is this um, really diving deep into the kind of world and the um, point of view of the character and I think that's something that you can do with second person that you can't do um, with third person or even sometimes first because you're like very aware like I um, whereas you is like speaking to the reader. So I think it places you in this unique situation where like you are kind of the character and you're almost like in the story. Um, and also the story is so much about, you know, like she is like observing other characters and she is like window cleaning and she is a drifter and talks about like her relationships with these other people and everyone she's observing and how people are like connected or like not connected. Mm -hmm. So I thought that would be interesting in terms of kind of placing you inside and thinking, making you kind of reflect about kind of people's, our relationships with kind of people around us. And how, how would you describe like, uh, without obviously spoiling any details you don't want to spoil, but how would you describe the story to people? Um, I would describe it, as like a second second person story um, about a window cleaner who is out working her last day, um, and she is um, she's been laid off, and she is kind of wrapping up her work and struggling to kind of come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 she and, and this character named Sparrow Lee keeps getting invoked in the story. Can you talk a little bit about Sparrow Lee? Yes, so Sparrow is a um, 
actually inspired by a Chinese um, legend um, whose name trans is in Mandarin is Yanzi Li San, which is like um, Sparrow Li the Fifth. Mm-hmm. And um, he is a old kind of folkloric figure who um, often would kind of be like a Robin Hood and kind of go around um, like helping people and stuff and then leaving behind paper sparrows. And people don't really know who he was. And a lot of people were like would masquerade and pretend to be him. And then no one really knew. And we don't really know what happened to him. And uh, and and I was and, and what what uh, what what's is there a significance to to that in the story uh, of the window cleaner? Yeah, yeah, because um, the main character she's also struggling as well, so I think she finds connection to him. And um, this the story is also about kind of the power of art and power of stories to help us kind of deal with difficult times. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very interesting story, and um, I, I I was I was curious about the Sparrow character when I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you but you you don't you don't just write stories; you write poetry. You you uh, you you done freelance journalism. Could you talk a little bit about your freelance journalism experience as well? Yeah, so I got into freelancing kind of quite early on, actually, just because. Um, I think the barrier to entry is lower compared to doing creative work. So like um, in my early undergrad, I kind of paid the bills um, doing some freelancing. So I wrote like a lot of articles and stuff like that. Um, I wrote a lot of travel and that kind of thing, which I was interested in, especially because I had studied abroad. And also um, I wrote about kind of like profiles of people, interviews, a review of some books and stuff like that, um, doing some um, writing around kind of arts and culture, things like that. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, and do, are you still doing the journalism or are you devoting more of your time now to, to writing fiction? I've mostly shifted towards writing fiction mm-hmm. and writing kind of more creative work. So sometimes I would do... Uh, interviews and stuff like that but it would be with like authors for example or um yeah like essays that are more kind of creative pieces okay do you have what what's your do you have like a general process for writing like when you are working on your creative materials do you have like how do you have a an approach or is it just yeah yeah well um i think this is a question that every writer gets asked but um i do i I like to let material um, kind of build up mm-hmm. a bit. So I like to kind of gather ideas and really think about it mm-hmm. before I start um, writing something. So for example, the project I'm currently working on, like my novel, um, I've been thinking about it for like over two years, even though I haven't really started, I hadn't really started writing until maybe kind of the past um, year or so, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it for a long time. It's it was on my mind. Um, I was looking for ideas, and then I would kind of piece it together, and eventually some kind of more coherent plot and theme and characters would emerge, mm-hmm. and then I would take that and write, and then I edit a lot. Um, like the story Sparrow has come to probably at least like ten drafts. 
Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, uh, because I really care about language and really care about prose, so um, revision is a huge part of my process. Okay, okay. I, I I do like the idea of uh, of taking the time to think about it. I mean, I'm not a novel writer, but I write, and my best stuff is always when I sit down and just give myself a lengthy period of time to think about it before I even commit anything to paper. And so I think that's a good that's a good approach to doing it. Um, what about the novel that, that you're working on? Because we had talked about that before the interview, and I was curious. Well, it, it's a it's a wuxia novel, correct? Or is it? Is yeah, it wuxia it's inspired? wuxia inspired. I would uh-huh. call it just because I'm writing in English, so I like I don't want it. I don't necessarily want to be like it's a wuxia novel because mm-hmm. I think the really hardcore fans will come in with like a lot of expectations and okay. I don't necessarily want it to be like um, everything is going to be like really really traditional wuxia because mm-hmm. there will maybe be like playing with tropes and adjustments mm-hmm. um, in terms of making it work in English making it work for um, kind of the audience I'm writing for making it um, if I want to have some like fantastical elements um, like, you know, how much is that wuxia and stuff like that. So I'm calling it wuxia inspired, mm-hmm. um, but I'm a re- like a really big fan of wuxia. So it's definitely like a huge influence. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And do you, do you think, I mean, is it, is it, uh, is, so it's primarily the, the setting that would give you pause before causing, calling it an actual wuxia story. But, yeah, but you had yeah. mentioned you had mentioned language. Do you think it's possible to write a wuxia novel in English, or do you think it's something that can only be written in Chinese? I would argue that you can write it in English. Do, and do you think? Um, do you, oh, go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Um, even though other people might, I think maybe some Chinese speakers might say it's not possible, but mm. I think it's possible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I want to. I I do want to ask about your your thoughts on wuxia in general but before we get there i did want to ask you know and again i know that you're still developing it so i don't want you to give away details that you're not comfortable giving away but would you mind talking a little bit about what the book is potentially going to be about um i okay i'll say a little bit just because it's still very early stages and i don't like to talk about my work too much until it's like more developed um but i can say that it is fantasy or like kind of light fantasy mm-hmm. um, that's heavily wuxia inspired. It features a 18-year-old protagonist. Um, she is kind of like this really kind of intelligent and witty kind of character who is an underdog, and um, we follow her as kind of the main character of the story. And it deals a lot with kind of themes of like torn um, loyalties. That's a common wuxia theme and trope. It deals with um, kind of facing um, betrayals and stuff like that. Um, there is a friendship plotline. There is a romantic subplot. And um, there is a heist. I was, did, you, did you say heist? Yeah. Heist, okay. So that, that's, well, that, that fits with wuxia for me, heist. Because yeah. when I'm... One of my favorite movies is um, a film called, uh, I think it was Duel for Gold by Cho Yuen, and it yeah. featured a heist in it, and it and it worked really well with the within the genre. I thought, um, so I th- I think that would be pretty pretty cool. Um, what uh now in terms of the fantasy elements, do you prefer to work in like a 
because uh, fantasy can mean so much. Do you prefer to yeah, work yeah. in uh, in like a a fantasy setting that you've created whole cloth on your own, or do you prefer the approach where it's our world but it has fantasy layers on top of it? Yeah, so I'm kind of inspired by Gulo in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, like his story is like very clearly historical, and mm-hmm. we get kind of sense of it being kind of ancient China, or at least kind of that kind of wuxia world. Mm-hmm. But we don't really are not tied to like a specific dynasty per se. Yep. So that's kind of roughly what I'm looking at. Okay. Okay. So almost yeah. almost like a um, this is the wrong term, but I usually say like when I try to convey that to people, I say like historical romance, like it's like a, like it's the past, but it's not necessarily the past that actually existed. And it's, it's, it's vague enough that it could fit into a number of different periods. Um, And with Gulong, I think that's definitely the case now. uh, And we had talked about Gulong before, so we can, we can, we can get into that subject as well. I think with, um, uh, I know that you're, you, you said that you're a fan of Gulong and I'm a fan of Gulong. And I was curious, what what specifically draws you to his stories? Yeah, so I'm currently working on just kind of attempting the early translation of the beginning of um, Sentimental Swordsman with a Sword. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really drawn by his language, as well as how he's very different from Jinyo, um, just because he's like so, Jinyo is so kind of well-known and established, and a lot of wuxia writers all kind of copy, or kind of are influenced so heavily by Jinyo, that, that they try to kind of write in the way that Jinyo writes. Whereas Gulo has such a distinctive style, he's like very different. And I think he's not as influenced by him, and he tries to kind of take his own kind of creative approach. Um, so that really appeals to me. And the writing, in at least in Mandarin, based on what I've read, is like very beautiful writing. Yeah, that, that's because I've only read it in translations, and I've had some of the some of the details have been explained to me by people that that understand Mandarin. But I'm curious, like, what? And if if this is difficult to answer, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. What 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 is what what do you think people who read his stories in English might not quite understand about Gulong that people who are reading it in Mandarin are really getting in terms of the beauty and why it is is such good writing? Yeah, I haven't read um, much of his work in English. How, can you describe maybe how well, the style comes across? The, the style comes across the, is very sort of. I don't want to say essentialist, but very, very succinct, very yeah, succinct. Yeah. And and also I feel and again, I feel like this is something where I'm aware that there's like a translation issue going on when I notice this. So I'm sort of projecting a little bit of what I want onto it. But I feel like there's this rumination that he that he that he does like he just kind of he punctuates a lot of a lot of sections of the stories with just like some it seems like almost like a random thought or insight. Um, but it, something, I don't know, it just, it just kind of, it, it, for me, it just feels like his personality kind of wafting onto the page. Do you know what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. a, um, but it's, but again, I'm only getting it in translation. So I'm not really, you know, beyond that, I'm not really able to characterize it. Yeah. So how I would describe it is he's known among Chinese readers for being very atmospheric. Mm-hmm. So his writing reads a lot like um, kind of 
poetry mm-hmm. um, and like a certain type of poetry that's very um, kind of moody and fi- like filled with kind of emotions. Yeah. Like for example, like feelings of like loneliness and stuff like that kind of really comes through really well. Yeah. And he does that in like a poetic way with like a lot of repetition and kind of like the philosophical thoughts. I think maybe you were referencing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like kind of those asides and commentary and stuff like that. So I think like that really comes through in the Mandarin really well. And it's, kind of not a common way to write wuxia at all, which is why it really stands out. Okay. Yeah, and um, he does this thing where he kind of blends more kind of um, archaic language with more like modern language. Okay. Because I read, um, I think he's he was really influenced by kind of more like Western literature and film and stuff like that, but he's also really well read in Chinese literature as it can be expected. So he does a lot of melding, which is interesting. What What is it called? Melding, like kind of blending the two together. Oh, blend, oh blending like the archaic yeah. with the new? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, well. That's the thing too, because like, um, and I, th- I, you mentioned the emotional aspect of it. I think that's the other part that I pick up on too. Is there's always like an emotional heft to the stories, um, which that that carries through in translation. But a lot of the stuff you're talking about, I feel like, like I'll know it's there because like the translator might put a footnote and they'll explain it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, so the closest I get to really sort of appreciating it is usually between reading the book and watching the movie, which kind of adds mm. in a lot of the the emotion with the music and like the mm. the atmospheric. Mm. I kind of get the the more full experience of it, but I find that I gotta like I gotta read the book and then I gotta talk to somebody who actually read it in Mandarin and mm. get like a better mm. sense of it. Um, I'll add one more thing if that's okay. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, are you familiar with like the concept of Jianghu? Yes, yes. So, um, like Jin Yong's Jianghu is very much about you know kind of righteous warriors and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like kind of you know being patriotic, being like um, doing the right morally right thing, like Guo Jing and Legend of Condor Heroes, for example. Um, but Gu Long, he is like very much a rebel. So I think that's also a lot of people really like that about his work and his style. Um, he's just kind of very, sometimes his writing is just kind of very creative and he kind of breaks rules. And um, instead of giving you like this really um, kind of floral and vivid and detailed description of the setting, he might just give you like one or two lines mm-hmm. about like the atmosphere and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, because there have been some stories where I've been reading them and you have to kind of keep up with him because like with like within like there'll be like five sentences that are like five paragraphs that are each a sentence and between those paragraphs the characters move from location to location and it's not necessarily clearly indicated it's kind mm. of but it's effective um and so 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 but, but also i think the uh the point you made about um uh the characters being rebellious that's another aspect of it that i really like because i i what I, what I like about a lot of his stories is most of the characters, not just the protagonists, but like the characters around them, they kind of feel like they're characters that were born on the wrong side of the tracks to me. And they're a little bit more interesting than than maybe more righteous heroes sometimes. So it's, it, it, you know, there's, I don't know, there's like a, there's a darkness to the to the world that he creates that I think is appealing. 
Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah. Um, now, what other are there any other? Uh, I mean, you had mentioned, um, you know, Louis Cha. Uh, were there, are there any other uh, writers that that are either within wuxia or within other genres that are uh, an influence on you? Within or without? Both. Or I, any Both. any 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 writers that are you know influential yeah. on your writing. Um, I think the one who influences me most directly um, is Ken Liu. Um, are you familiar with his work? Did he he wrote the Dandelion series? That's right. right. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and a lot of short stories. Um, he does a lot of cool stuff that's um, kind of joy on, for example, folklore and mythology, mm. like different like narrative structures and stuff like that, and um, kind of bringing that and kind of subverting more like traditional hero's journey, mm-hmm. which I really like. And I think kind of Wuxia does that too. And I've talked to him very briefly, like on the phone and on Twitter before, and he talked about how I think he actually has a little bit of um, influence from Wuxia. Like he's read it, he's interested in it. And um, it inspired some of his work too. So I really like his writing, and um, I like a lot of poetry, actually, mm-hmm. um, just because they really know language really well. So I like a lot of Chinese kind of poets who are um, more contemporary or modern, but they write in a style that's really different from, I think, maybe English poetry. Okay, okay. How, what, what... Yeah. What would you say the big difference is? I mean, I mean, if it's possible, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I not. Know. I don't very... know. Yeah, it's it's hard, but it's like I think um, it's like trying to describe Gulong to like a Western yeah. reader. Right? The style is very different. Um, the type of work I like is very kind of poetic and imagery based. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the common things, if I were to generalize, is like often there's less focus maybe on kind of a point of view or perspective is just kind of like observing like observing kind of the world and like a lot of kind of imagery and um kind of descriptions and like philosophy and emotions but not really a sense of kind of like a like eye character kind of reflecting and being Mm. like really internal okay okay no i see what you mean yeah yeah, so that's a kind of more common, I would say, in some of the Chinese poetry I read. Yeah. And and what about your translations? Because I, I, I think I missed uh, covering that as well. Hmm. The, uh, I know you translate things and, uh, you know, how, how, I guess, number one, how did you get into doing translations? It's a, it's, it's a very difficult uh, and different type of writing. I know somebody who translates for a living and I, I've, 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 I have a vague sense of what it entails but yeah I got into translation because um, in Canada there are many writers who are um, Chinese Canadian Mm -hmm. but actually very few are bilingual so um, the first time I was approached by I think like um, an editor or a writer who had written like a short kind of picture book that was um, about pandas of all things um, in China and then she really wanted to kind of share that with Chinese readers because pandas in China 
And so she needed a translator. So then I also, since I'm also a writer, um, it would make, I think, a lot of sense um, to go to, like, a writer who is also a translator. So then she came to me and be like, would you be interested in translating this? So then that kind of stuff would happen to me a lot Mm -hmm. uh, because I was already kind of, writing fiction and poetry and like journalistic work and stuff like that. Sometimes I'll just get requests from people in terms of they want something to translate into English or the other way around. Um, sometimes I get requests from like organizations, like for example, um, sometimes they want to like an assessment of like a writing sample to see if like a book can be translated from maybe Mandarin into English, like a publisher or like an organization is interested in um, that so then they will look for someone who is like a translator to do like a sample or um, do kind of um, a reader's report on like if that is feasible. Um, there is also just um, people sometimes they want to kind of have um, Chinese poets, for example, want to kind of share their poetry and submit to like Western um, literary journals. So then they get approached by them and that kind of stuff. Okay. And what what uh what what would you say is the like how long does it take to translate something, would you say? Like like is it a is it a very long involved process or is it you know is it I think I think it depends on like the type of work. Mm-hmm. So like Wuxia would be very difficult. Okay. Um because you're kind of juggling a lot of things. Um when you're translating, you're kind of considering three different areas, I think, or kind of different um, points. Mm -hmm. So you're considering the literal meaning of the words. Um, And then you're considering like the larger um, meaning, like the deeper meaning, the themes, the characters, the um, setting, the subtext, things like that Mm -hmm. was maybe not literally written. And then a third thing to consider is the actual style. So if it's written in like a certain way, you also maybe want to recreate that feeling as well. So the more difficult it is kind of on those three, um, when it comes to those three things, then it becomes more, takes longer to translate. Okay. Okay. I can imagine that. I have, there's a, there's a, I have a, copy of uh, a translation of the Str- strange tales from a chinese studio and mm. i ended up really liking it but then i discovered that i wasn't getting all the information from the one translation i had so oh. i went and i got another translation and then that was good but i still had the same problem and so i got another trend and i ended up with like four translations of this book so that whenever i you know just and, and i would often just go through one story at a time going through the different translations um, so I can only imagine how you know you know how, how that how those sort of things influence it. Um, now uh, we had, we had discussed briefly to the uh, the recent translation of Legend of Condor Heroes. I was curious if you had any yeah. any thoughts on that. Any? Yeah. So um, I'm actually just recently kind of getting to the end of that. I'm about maybe like twenty pages away from the end. And um, I also actually recently interviewed Anna Homewood. Mm-hmm. So that's going to come out in 19 questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel that she 
makes a lot of like really bold choices mm -hmm. when it comes to translating because this um, book hasn't been translated before like officially, but there have been a lot of fan translations and there have been like subtitles for movies and stuff like that. And she kind of really deviates from some of those, which I find interesting. Like a lot of the naming has been very controversial, for example. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and how, how do you feel the, uh, um, like, what do you, do you, do you think that the impact of this, cause this is a big one. I mean, I feel like this is, this is like the story that should have been translated a long time ago, you know? And, and, and so I'm, I'm curious what your, what your feelings are just about it being translated officially and what impact you think it's having. It seems like it's getting a lot of attention in press because I keep coming across articles about it. Although it could just be I'm interested in Husha and read a lot about it. Um, but I do, you know, like see a lot of reviews of it and um, people talking about it. I think um, readers are getting exposed to it and I'm hoping this means more um, kind of readers who maybe don't know the genre or are interested but hadn't really read the story, um, can't get exposure now to it. And I'm hoping this means maybe more Wuxia will be translated, more Wuxia will be written, which would be nice. Um, I think it is, as you said, like a very significant translation because it is a very well-known and popular story that's influenced so many readers. Um, and yeah, yeah. And I hope more... I hope like more projects will emerge um, as a result of this, and hopefully people will be more open to like publishers and editors and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I I'm definitely hoping for that because I mean, this one. Yeah. I mean, the. I mean, it's it's such a you know if, if number one if you if you're just a fan of like martial arts movies alone these characters keep coming up in various forms. Do you know what I mean? Even like a movie like The One-Armed Swordsman, you know, yeah. not not the first book, but based on the second trilogy, second part of the trilogy, um, you know, the Yangua character. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 I just, uh, I, I'm just hopeful that, that, that will, you know, that number one, we're going to get all, all volumes of the, of the, of the series. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah, the, and, ideally. Yeah. And, and then, and then number two, that people will, will pay more attention to this kind of stuff, because um, that can happen too. I've I've had translations of things that the first book comes out, but then the second one never does, and so you, you yeah, yeah, that is a big challenge because um, translation is a lot of work, yeah. and um, people, you know, like it for such a long project for it to keep going. There's so many different factors, like the publisher's involvement, the translators, time, budget, kind of the market, everything. So hopefully it will it will all work out. Yeah. Well I think they got they got different translators yeah. for each volume, I think, right? Like they're gonna yeah. they're kinda gonna yeah. like pass it along to each one. So Yeah. Um, and I know the the new one's actually coming out I think in January, right? Pretty soon, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's I think I think that's um I don't know I was uh, I I I got a I got a copy last year and I I really you know I enjoyed there's something about having it out officially that just it it's different like I've you know yeah I, I yeah. like reading fan translations but when it comes out officially it 
there's a difference um, in in the feel of actually reading the story. Um, but uh, what was the other thing I wanted to ask about related to translation? Um, oh, well, I can't. I I had another thought, but it escaped me. Um, oh, well, oh you, well okay. but you 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 would mentioned to me before the uh, when we were talking previously on Twitter that you had uh, uh, done a research trip to China. And yeah. I wanted to ask about that, just, you know, where you went, what, you know, what the research was for, what, uh, you know, what kind of experiences you might have had. So it was a really, really fun trip. I was, um, because I'm finishing my master's at, in Canada, mm -hmm. so, and I'm writing my novel, is actually my thesis for my master's, I was able to get some grants mm -hmm. to go to um, China and Hong Kong for three months. And... My research trip, the kind of main goal was to figure out um, more, to kind of get a better feel for the kind of style of Wuxia novel um, that I'm kind of most interested in and inspired by, and how to kind of recreate that into English. So some of the translations, as well as kind of like visit kind of sites that are related to okay. like martial arts. So. Um, I, in Hong Kong, for example, I went to like um, the Hong Kong Heritage Museum, which had a special exhibit on Jin Yong. Okay. So that was really cool. And I had like an interview with the curator about like Jin Yong's work and his influences and stuff like that. And I learned some interesting things, kind of just through like looking at the exhibit because they have stuff about like his life and kind of um, things that influenced his writing. And that was interesting. And um, I went to visit one of the martial arts studios. Um, yeah, um, the master, I'm forgetting his name now, but he was like a, um, studied under the same master as Bruce Lee, so that was really cool. Oh, so uh, the Ip Man? Oh, sorry, hold on. Yeah, 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 it, one of Ip Man's students. Okay. Yeah, and... Um, and um, I went to look at like an exhibit on Wuxia novels at the Hong Kong Public Library because they had like some like manuscripts and stuff, which was interesting because they would then come with like all the author's notes and like um, kind of their planning and kind of um, journals and stuff like that. So like some archives. Um, then I went to mainland and I traveled around a lot, but in terms of what's like most interesting, like for example, I went to Mount Elme, which Elme um, sector school of martial arts, for example, influenced um, Mount Chimchen in Sichuan. Um, I, that was really cool because I actually knew someone who um, knew kind of the grandmaster or like was a grandmaster's disciple so he introduced me and um, got me connected to like one of the teachers there and he actually I took like a lesson with him for like um, a day and learned some like basic martial arts now I'm curious what what that that must have been very informative because like I'll, you know you see these you, you see these places like Erme in, in the in the movies and the shows and the books yeah um, and they have like they have a very specific um, I don't know what you would say like that, like, like they've been defined visually and, you know, and all that, but, but then to actually go to the places, I mean, were, number one, were there like things that surprised you in terms of how different they are in reality from the books? But number two, uh, just 
physically being at the place, you know, was was there was there is there anything that you think is maybe lost in the experience of only seeing these things on the screen or on the page? Well, it's interesting because I think when Jin Yeo was writing, um, and don't quote me on this, mm-hmm. but I think he was actually because he was in Hong Kong and he was kind of um, distant and wasn't able to go to mainland during that time due to kind of the political political climate and stuff like that. He was kind of reading and researching about these places, but he hadn't been there, some of them at least. Um, so I think a lot of it is kind of this idealized, kind of his image, more like fantastical and like romantic, like you said, image of like these mountains and stuff like that. So it's, I think, quite different when you're physically there, but it's also like really, really cool because like I'm at this place that all these cool authors have written about. Mm. And kind of seeing that kind of physically and kind of feeling that. Um, and at Qingchen, when I was in the school, it was really interesting because I was like, you know, I've never studied martial arts before. And he taught me like a very, very kind of basic and ordinary move mm-hmm. in martial arts. It's nothing like what you read about in like a novel, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like Jing Yong's, I don't know like whatever technique you have that you're mostly like flying around or something it's nothing like that it's very kind of ordinary and simple but i think you can still kind of see the influence well yeah well i kind of that's what i like about jin young i like because because i did martial arts and and sometimes Mm -hmm. when i'm reading his stories he he gets really wild with like like you have to struggle to visualize exactly what's going on sometimes because it's 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 very involved and elaborate, and it, it it isn't something that I think a martial artist might necessarily think to do, um, and so I think there's like a level of creativity that he brings to it, that it's almost. I mean, again, I don't know. Maybe he did have martial arts experience, but I I, I kind of almost assume he didn't. And he did it. Okay, and I think that's actually better. I think like that he didn't uh, gave it freedom up, like like you wouldn't have maybe had the. the the ornate qualities with some of these styles that he described if uh if he if he had done it you know what i mean he might he might have been anchored to the actual practice itself too much yeah um i read a article or like an essay about how he um didn't know martial arts and what he did do was he apparently somehow had all these kind of training manuals mm-hmm. and stuff like that so he would whenever he time came to like write like a martial arts fight or something he would like pull out his manuals <laughs> okay. and start like flipping it and like looking for moves and then he would like steal moves and stuff like that from manuals and he would um his his fights are very like detailed and yeah. very kind of descriptive so um he would like pull like actual like moves and stuff like that from like a manual so like all the different steps you know like the swing the cut the whatever he would kind of take the different um phrases and then maybe kind of use that and um one really funny thing that happened that involves Ching Chen actually is because Ching Chen is um a school portrayed in Junior's work very negatively mm-hmm. um and then he actually like in Mandarin, wrote like this apology letter um, <laughs> that was like in the Chinese newspapers, 
where he kind of apologized to Chinsen for like portraying them in like a negative light because he hadn't risen before and didn't know anything about them. He had kind of made them into these kind of um, evil scheming kind of characters. And then he actually went and visited and like apologized to them. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that every story needs villains, I suppose. So it's a forgivable sin, uh, you know. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just I his story, his fights can go on for pages and sometimes they're like two chapters. I think you know, like they they just go on <laughs> at great length. Uh, for a man who didn't practice martial arts, he was exceptionally gifted at writing them. Um, but uh, but I, that's a question I guess I would have for you. If if you are going to bring in Wuxia, what's your? Do you have like a a way that you're approaching handling the martial arts aspect of the story? If, yeah. If, so I was I had been thinking about that, and um, there's a couple of things I've done. So um, while I was researching this, I started reading a book that's unfortunately only in Mandarin, but is about uh, martial arts choreography, and is written for uh, martial arts directors, which is like this kind of action director kind of yeah. role, and. Uh, it talks a lot about kind of the ways that they think about in design fights. Mm -hmm. So I just picked up that book and read it, and it was really interesting because it talks a lot about, like for example, um, like things that we would kind of assume make sense, but maybe we don't think about, like um, making the characters kind of fighting style or like reflect mm -hmm. reflect their personality, for example, mm -hmm. or like kind of cinematically, like having maybe like the protagonist um, who's like a small weak. Um, physically small character go up against like 20 people for mm -hmm. like um, kind of the excitement and to kind of show the power and stuff like that like the use of contrast um, so I was really influenced by that and then in terms of the actual writing I kind of looked at Jinyo and looked at Gulo and then kind of compared mm -hmm. and um, neither of them are martial artists they took very different approaches mm -hmm. Um, Gulong has this thing where he is inspired by kind of the Mexican standoff, mm -hmm. where he is just like these two people kind of face each other and then there's like one and like kind of knife blow and then the person's dead. So um, because he didn't want to write fight scenes because he knew he was not um, a martial artist, and I kind of am leaning more towards that. Mm -hmm. Just because the style I'm writing and the type of story I'm writing does have a more storytelling kind of feel. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily want it to be like really realistic and really kind of grounded in a lot of actual like martial arts, like terminology and kind of specific moves and things like that. When, because I'm not a martial artist myself, I don't know if I'll be able to do that well, but also just because. I think maybe I'm not as interested in that, and Gino has done that and done it really, really well. I think I maybe want to focus more on kind of the atmosphere, the character, the conflict, and then kind of make the fight kind of more brief and concise and kind of more like Gulong style. Well, and what's interesting about I mean, both both approaches are equally exciting in different ways because I think that the um, the Gulong approach, like you said, mm -hmm. kind of focuses more on like the drama and the suspense building up. To the to the to the to the action, um, but because all because everything hinges on almost like one moment, it's almost it can be more exciting at times because you know like after the next sentence, 
you know, any, anything could be the case. Eight people could be dead. Um, and so it's, I, I, I think, I think that it's a smart approach. Um, and, uh, and, and, and again, if you, if you, t- I guess if you take the, the Jin Yong approach, you're going to, um, uh, you're going to be committed to writing chapters, chapter length fight scenes, um, which would yeah. be. Yeah. The thing with that too is like in Mandarin, it can read really, really well because mm-hmm. it's so descriptive and a lot of the word choice um, references poetry and stuff like that and like allusions and philosophy and Genial's really good at that mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't translate well into English and um, I think English readers are maybe not as used to kind of those really long kind of extended fights yeah yeah I, th- I think it'd be I mean I've some of the translations I've read have been have been very good at holding my attention during those sections but I've also read translations of books where it just felt like a list of things was being described and 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 it was and it was clearly a translation issue um and so yeah i, th- I think that, that that that's you know that, uh, what you're saying matches what i've what i've seen but i think with i think with um with stuff like condor heroes generally i found that that stuff translates well for whatever reason i don't know why yeah um, yeah mm-hmm. i think um and um in an interview I mentioned i think she trimmed down some of the fights Mm-hmm. To kind of make it more readable. Okay. But I think there's also a lot of the kind of she uses a lot of very um, kind of direct translation of the other mm-hmm. moves and stuff like that. So I think that helps too. Okay. Okay. Like yeah. The donkey roll and you know all that. Yeah, because I've noticed it even in the fan translation stuff. It's been like mm-hmm. um, it just it, it it seemed like the action because because I would think it would be very difficult to hold somebody's attention on a fight scene that cover that is. 30 or 40 pages long like that's a very you know for you know in english that's that's something that you don't usually see um but but it really worked i i uh i think because there's there's so much it feels like there's a lot of other things going on in his fight scenes i don't know maybe that yeah maybe it's not yeah, just I the action so. there's there's other details that are important um and uh and so i don't know i but but that is interesting um cool and so, so when you so when you do the the Wuxia story, what what is your like? What are you most interested in terms of drama and characters and things like like what 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 aspects of this like is it is it going to be character driven? Is it going to be plot driven? I think it's going to be character driven. Mm-hmm. I'm really into character personally and kind of relationships and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, that that really came through in Sparrow. Like that was very yeah. like that very much seemed like a um, you know, like a a character study type. Except yeah. the character study is the reader because it's like, <laughs> you know, because it's in that second person. Which yeah. again, I have to comment on that because because my I I know you mentioned at the start of the interview first person would kind of be the normal choice for that, right? Like that's yeah. that's like yeah. and and I, I think you were right. It definitely, it. I I wouldn't have felt the way I felt reading that story if it were in first person. The the second person by addressing the reader really, really achieved that quite well. I thought. Um, and so so I so I guess that's another question. Are you going to continue with the second person, uh, perspective in or point of view in um. In the Wisha story, you're going to go more with something like third I'm person? I'm using third person mm-hmm. for my novel just because um, I enjoyed experimenting with second person, but mm-hmm. I think um, 
it tends to work best in short pieces. Yep. And um, for very specific types of stories. So, for example, like something like Sparrow that's very focused on character and also when I'm like working with like a certain kind of atmosphere and stuff like that. Um, but I want my Usha novel to read more like a um, legend, I would say. Like okay. I would describe the tone as kind of like this is a kind of an old story that's kind of been passed down and um, you're kind of hearing it kind of shoo um, this narrator who is kind of more distant and has been kind of telling this story and maybe heard this story from other people and it's kind of kind of uh, being passed down. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The um no no I think that's smart because I mean I, like I said I, I really like the second person but I have read novels where they've uh, where they've taken an approach that was somewhat experimental like that to some aspect of you know whether it's point of view or you know just you know other aspects of the of of of, of sentence structure or writing. And and it and it can it, over the course of a whole book it can get harder uh, because I the more things seem to crop up that are hurdles. So yeah, yeah. One of the things that's very difficult about second person is when you had to jump in time and stuff mm-hmm. because um, tense. So second person present tends to be the easiest to write in terms of second person. And then when you get into like past and stuff like that, it becomes kind of jarring and doesn't flow as well sometimes, depending on how you write it. But in like a novel, especially in say something like Wuxia, you probably are covering like a significant amount of time. Yeah. And you have, you know, flashbacks and jumping forward or things like that. So I think that would be really tricky in terms of, yeah, yeah. So third person tends to work best in terms of that. And I, and I know we've been talking mostly about uh, books and, and writing, but uh, do Wuxia do, do movies have any influence on on you? Are you are you interested in, in film and things like that? Yeah, um, I haven't watched that many, but I have watched um, primarily Legend of Condor Heroes. Mm-hmm. I've watched the, um, I think, 2008 adaptation yep. and then the 2017 one mm-hmm. um, I've watched um, Crash and Hagar Hidden Dragon of mm-hmm. course and um, I watched kind of the beginning of some of the Gulo adaptations mm-hmm. although I didn't get that far because mm-hmm. it, I think it's very hard to capture Gulo in, it's, in film yeah it's true well and, and oh TV, go ahead yeah yeah the the Gulong ones I have to admit those are uh, there's, there's a series of Films made by Cho Yuen in the seventies. That's um, that's Gulong adaptations, and I love them, but they're notoriously difficult for uh, because it crams so much into like an hour and a half, and there'll yeah. be like eighteen characters that you have to keep track of, um, and so people will often complain about the uh, you know, just the, the dizzying characters, and you know, um, but uh, but uh, but which uh, which just out of curiosity, did you prefer one of the uh, are the two Condor Heroes drama series? Which one did you prefer? Yeah, that's a hard question because I think um, both of them have things that they have done well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the 2017 is more kind of true to the series, like the novels. Mm-hmm. So that's one kind of thing that I really personally like 
is that it stayed kind of close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like Huang Nong's character a lot mm-hmm. in the 2008 one because I thought she was really kind of well acted. Yeah, yeah, and, I, yeah, and I, I, I thought they had good chemistry in that one too. Like I know they made a lot yeah. of changes, but I thought that they had great chemistry, and uh, and I and also uh, I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong, but I, I believe Elvis Choi played Uyung Fung in that one. Mm. Um, and, and, and I just think he's a, he's a really great villain. Um, so, you know, I, I liked seeing him in that role, but, uh, but I've heard, a, I, I've, I saw the first few episodes of 2017 and I've heard really good things from people who've watched the whole thing. So, um, so I mean, it, it, it seems to, it seems to be a good one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Is there, uh, is there anything that I haven't covered in the discussion that you, you, uh, wanted to talk about? Um, I think that covers most things. Um, is there anything that we missed or is there anything else you want to um, ask about? Let's see. see. I, I think I think we cover most things. Um, I, I, I guess I guess the only other question is, you know, how, how uh, could you could you or not question but uh, request could you could you tell people where they can find you and where they can find your writings and also maybe when 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 they can expect your book to to be released okay um so my website is like my full name so com. i'm also on twitter as um at elin writer so pretty simple to find. Um, my book, I am currently in the early stages of editing. I actually recently met an agent who's interested. Um, so I'm going to talk to him when it's, once it's done. Um, but I'm hoping to finish kind of my edits and stuff like that maybe by the end of next year. We'll see how things go if editing um, doesn't trying to be too difficult. It really depends because I'm trying to experiment with some of the style and language. And then um, after that, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And and what about like other, because you, 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 in addition to the fiction, you, you also have uh, travel writing and things like that. That's that's all available on the on your webpage, correct? There's yeah, a... that's right. Yeah. Okay. You can find that online and also on Twitter. And I have a few short stories and that I'm editing, so I'm gonna be looking for a home for them too. Okay, so so yeah, and I'm gonna put the links in the description below. And uh, and again, I, I wanna I wanna thank Elin for for coming in and having a discussion with us. And I would encourage people to go and check out her website. And uh, I guess I'll be back on on Friday with the next episode of Wushu Weekend. And until then, I will talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>